I want to read several verses in Psalm 63. Well, we'll just read them all. It's only 11 of them, and, and they're all good. So I want to jump into this. Psalm 63 in verse 1 says, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. It's felt like that around here for the last several weeks, hasn't it? To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow uh, and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness. Uh, thank You for this psalm and this portion of Scripture. And Lord, thank You for what it means to me. And I just pray that You would uh, help us tonight to convey those things that we've studied and that You've given me. I pray You'd help me to say everything I should and nothing that I should not. And I pray that You would meet with us for uh, the next several moments, Lord. We need to be in the presence of God and, and in the presence of one another. And God, please help us tonight. We'll love You and thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Well, this is a a pretty special psalm to me. The context here is David is the writer and probably in your Bible right above verse 1, it might say something like a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. A lot of writers uh, believe this is a time when he was running uh, literally for his life from his own son. Uh, at any rate, he was in the wilderness of Judah and people were literally after his very life. It was hot. It was dry. It was barren. I was so blessed last year to see that region uh, there in Israel, in the surrounding areas. And, and so finally, 
I was blessed to have a first-hand view of what that desolation really looks like and what the barrenness really looks like and what the dry landscape really looks like. And of course, when you see something with your own eyes, uh, they're on sight, it brings it all to life in your heart and in your mind. It's important to know that David's life was stressful during this time. His life was uncertain during this time. Uh, there was probably more questions than there were answers at this time in his life. And boy, I feel like I've been there a time or two before. How about you? It's almost deer season. Well, it is deer season in in Kentucky and uh, maybe here. I don't know. Um, I got lots of places to go deer hunting, but they're all like eight hours away. (laughs) So I don't even keep up with the Alabama season. But sometimes I like to go deer hunting and sit in a tree stand and... um, I enjoy that. I'm sure there's a lot of people here that enjoy that. And you know, uh, you climb up there in that tree, at least this is how I do it, and this is probably why I don't kill any deer. And, and you're just kind of chilling, and you get bored. And so uh, I reach for my phone, but I don't have it. But I'll pull out my phone, you know. I might read on my Bible app some, and every once in a while, look around and see if anything's coming down the trail. Or yeah, or if there's anything in the field, I do keep it on vibrate. You know, I'm not dumb enough to have the ringer on anyway. I might play solitaire, and I'm convinced. I'm convinced that they have come and gone before while I was like trying to find that right card. But I've been doing that before and just kind of in la la land, killing time, and all of a sudden you hear something. Maybe it's a, 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 a leaves rustling or, 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 or twig break. And all of a sudden your heart just skips a little beat. And then, if it ain't one of them dumb squirrels, <laughs> then you look to your left or your right, wherever you heard the noise, and all of a sudden, there he is. And you start really skipping a beat in your heart now. And if it's a big boy with big horns, which never happens to me, if that big boy walks out, all of a sudden, everything changes. I don't care about the, uh, 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 the, the solitaire. I don't care what's going on on social media. I don't even remember I got a phone. I'm just locked in and I'm trying to be as still as I can. And praying, oh God, don't let him see me. And number two, let him walk right in the perfect place. My point is, when you're just out there by yourself, eh, just kind of killing time. But when that big buck walks in and you're in the presence of that 10-pointer or that big 8-pointer, everything about the situation changes. And the thing that makes it change is whose presence you're in. I know every deer hunter 
can identify with that. Well, can I tell you something? Time in God's presence has the ability to change everything. Time in God's presence is invaluable time. I am convinced that we can accomplish more, or should I maybe say God can accomplish more, when we spend precious moments in His presence than we can all day long when we don't even think to get in God's presence. There's no possible way to put a price tag on being in the presence of God. Now let me be kind of theologically correct here. God is always present with us. Amen? The the Scripture teaches, uh, uh, what? Know ye not that you your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Ye are not your own, you've been bought with a price. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, or God's presence, would come and go. He, he did not indwell, the Holy Spirit of God did not indwell uh, 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 believers in the Old Testament. He came and went. But Jesus, He said, if I go away... I will not leave you comfortless. I will send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And so when Jesus died and rose again, when He ascended up to heaven to be seated at the right hand of God the Father, as He went up, the Holy God the Holy Spirit came down. And He indwells those of us who are God's children. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So, theologically, God is always with us. However, also theologically, we are not always with God. Meaning to say, we don't always take the time to acknowledge His presence in our life and slow down and sit before Him in meditation and prayer and Scripture reading. Sometimes we forsake that. So time in God's presence is not... I'm not talking about the indwelling presence of God. I'm talking about when we come to God and spend time with Him. It's invaluable time. Something else about time in God's presence, it's intentional time. At least... It better be. It doesn't happen on accident. Listen to that one real good. It does not happen by... You don't just happen upon or accidentally fall into a two-hour time slot during the day that you devote wholly to God. That doesn't happen. Especially not in the busyness of life that we now lead in in our society. I get calls all the time. Every week I get calls from people who want me to, to help them train their dog. And I love talking about that stuff. Every 
single one. I was just on the phone with a, with, with a guy before I came to church. Every person who's ever called me, they have one thing in common. Well, two things. A crazy dog <laughs> that they need help with. But the, the other thing they have in common is they say, we just don't have time to train him. And that is just uh, 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 evidence of our lives. Our lives are so busy. Spending time with God is intentional time. Therefore, we have to seek Him early, seek Him entirely. We have to seek Him exclusively. It does not happen by accident. Sadly, time in God's presence is many times inferior time. Meaning to say, we forget We put other things. Notice how I say we, not (laughs) y'all. We. Sadly, most most of us just don't make it a priority in our everyday life. What does it mean to be in the presence of the Lord? What does that mean? Well, I think it means to walk with Him. 1 John 1, 6. An important verse. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him... And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. How many people have you met that have a great verbal testimony, but no visible testimony? To be in the presence of God means to walk with Him. It also means to abide in Him. Preacher preached on this several weeks ago, John 15. Uh, abide in me. Verse 4 says, abide in me and I in you. The word abide means to hang out for a little while. It, it, it literally means to tarry, to stick around. And I got to tell you, uh, there's no better place to stick around and to tarry than in the presence of God. To be in the presence of the Lord means to submit to Him and draw close to Him. James 4 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I was reading that verse this morning just to study about being in God's presence, and I thought, man, this is great. And then I read the last part of uh, James 4, 7 and 8. It says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You know, sometimes you can be reading the Scripture, and you be like, oh boy, that blesses me. Boy, that's right, Lord. Amen. Oh, that one hurts, Lord. And what God said to me was, Quit being double-minded. Quit spending time in my presence one day, but not the next day. Quit going three days a week this week and five days a week next week and then one day a week the next week. Quit being double-minded. You know, most time when you hear us preachers preaching on double-mindedness, it's usually like in the context of, well, do you trust God or not? Get off the fence. But in my experience, we can be double-minded in a lot of ways. 
To be in the presence of the Lord means simply to follow Him. To follow God. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. It also means to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. And I love all them verses. And I love the analogy of the deer stand and being in the presence of the deer. Tonight, I want to say that every Christian here should spend time in God's presence because of the three happenings that are listed in these verses. Three things that will happen to us as we spend presence in the in 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 God's presence, time in God's presence. So happening number 1 is our frailty our frailty is acknowledged. Have you ever thought you was pretty good at something? And felt pretty good about whatever it was, maybe a sport or a hobby or a a talent. And you felt pretty darn good about it until somebody that was about 20 hundred times better than you showed up. That's happened to me in every area of my life. You know, I like to think of myself as a pretty good sized feller. I'm not strong, but I'm not, no, you can't snap me in two, you know, got some meat on my bones, I'm a pretty good sized feller. I was at this revival meeting last night, or, or Monday night, and I'm sitting there, and there's a, 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 a much smaller feller, he's about grown dude, about this tall, and I'm like talking to him like, uh-huh, and I'm, th- I'm feeling pretty good about my size, and I turned around, and here walked the biggest, tallest, widest, meanest, scariest looking deputy sheriff I've ever seen in my life. God knows my heart. I was looking eyeball to eyeball with his gun belt. This man meant business. All of a sudden, when I was in deputy oversize's presence... I didn't feel so big anymore. <laughs> Y'all know I like to train those dogs and stuff, and I feel pretty good about my my dog boss. I can tell him to bark, and he'll bark, and I can tell him to find my cell phone, he'll go find it. And that's all fun and good and all. I'll be feeling pretty good about that. Then I'll go somewhere where... Other people are, there's other dog trainers and this and that. And their dog opens the front door, you know, turns on the porch light, goes and gets the newspaper, reads the sports section to them, you know. And I'm thinking, I don't even know nothing. What is a dog? And I'm sure you've had your own time in your life where you thought you was something. You know, my mama used to say, and I know she's watching tonight. She used to say, boy, you're getting too big for your britches. 
That was what she said right before she pulled out the flash water and did psychological trauma to her precious young son. My point being this. It's easy to think you're the best when you're the only one in the room. It's easy to think that, you know, like you're the strongest until somebody like Weston uh, or somebody like that walks in the room. And then you're like, I don't even know what a, a, a gym is. But you know what happens when we get in the presence of God? We tend to then get a crystal clear picture of who we really are. Our frailty as humans. Preacher, the, the, the one thing, I remember, I remember everything about August the 1st of 1994 when you sat me down in that car and you didn't even have your Bible, you just quoted all the verses and you led me to the Lord. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the color of the car. I remember it right where it was on the carport. I mean, I, I, I just remember, I remember Sister Becky peeking out the blinds because she knew what was going on. But the thing I remember the most is how I began to feel as you were quoting them verses in Romans chapter 10 to me. He quoted, As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. He quoted, uh, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He quoted all them verses, and the, the more he quoted the smaller I felt. You see, I was pretty confident in myself. I mean, I, I, I was happy as I could be. I was living my best life. But that's because I didn't understand who God was. And I didn't understand who I was as a sinner who was ultimately responsible to God. So the thing I remember the most, and the only way I really know how to explain it, in that car that day, when you were sharing the gospel with me, I began to see God way up here. And I began to see Travis way down here. And it made sense of some other things I had heard other preachers say. You can't get saved until you get lost. What that means, and we know we're lost already, but what that means is until you know you're lost. And so David in verse 1, he says, Oh God, Thou art my God. Meaning to say, He recognized in His barrenness there was a God and there was a human race. He wasn't God and God was God. 
When we get in the presence of God, it magnifies our frailty. But hey, that's okay because it also magnifies God's greatness. Notice A underneath this one. Uh, realization needed. There's, there's a realization that's needed. Thou art my God. It's clear that David realized that he needed God. It's clear that David knew that he was frail without God. But let me tell you what else is clear. It's clear that most of society Most of the world doesn't know that. And I know that, like myself, you probably get frustrated with with people and frustrated with situations and frustrated with the way that the world is going. And and I think to love God is is to hate evil. And if you're walking with God, there has to be an element to where you, we abhor evil. It's okay to say amen right there. But we gotta remember, sinners do what sinners do because they've not been in the presence of God enough to understand just how broken they are. And truly, it's a gift to us that God has given to us to allow us the knowledge of our own frailty. Last night, while I was at this uh, pastor's conference, there were just vendor tables set up everywhere. Missionaries and mission agencies. And um, there was... Uh, all, all kinds of Christian ministries were represented. Well, right across the, like, in the hallway was skinny that we were in. So, uh, so like right there on the other side of the little hallway from my, our booth was, uh, an addictions recovery booth. Great people from, um, up on the northern suburbs, northwestern suburbs of, uh, Chicago. And they have a, 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 a great Christian um, rehabilitation ministry. And we'd been talking back and forth Monday and then some yesterday. And, and, and there was a lady there that worked with them and she was manning the booth. And this fella come up and uh, he said, ma'am, and I was just in earshot. He said, ma'am, I, I got to ask you a question. She said, okay, how can I help you? And he said, you know, very boisterous. Thank you. Very boisterous. He said, I don't understand why this is needed. She said, well, we're a Christian recovery program. We try to help people gain freedom in Christ and overcome addictions. He said, I, I just don't understand why it's needed. He said, I got saved six months ago when I was an addict. And he, he says, I hadn't wanted no, I hadn't had no problem since then. And she said, well, God bless you, sir. That's wonderful. But that's not everyone's testimony. And he began to just grill this woman 
Well, how can it be a Christian recovery program? I mean, does God uh, make you free or not? And this, the woman, I don't, I, she was the wife of the guy or, or just to help, I don't know, but she didn't have, she was holding her own, but not holding her own. She didn't really, because this guy was pretty just aggressive. And after about five minutes of that, I couldn't take it no more. And I just butted in. And I, ne- I hardly, I won't say never, I hardly ever do that. I pretty much ascribe to that proverb, uh, he that uh, uh, meddleth with strife not belongeth in, uh, to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. I know what a dog by the ears can do to you. But I just felt the need to come to her aid. I said, I couldn't help but overhear you guys. Can I help answer some questions? Well, yeah, maybe you can answer these questions. I just ain't, I've been all, I've been completely set free. I said, well, how long, how long, you know? He said, well, I was an addict for however many years and I got saved six months ago. I said, where'd you get saved? He said, well, I didn't need no church to help me or nothing. I got saved on my own. I said, well, praise God. He said, I don't understand how if, he, he said, it's a simple matter. If someone doesn't get freed from their addiction immediately, when they pray to get saved, they're just not being obedient to the Scripture. And I said, well, maybe, maybe. I said, or, or maybe our old nature is still alive and well. And, and, and Romans 6 might apply. The things that I wish I would do, I don't. The things I hate, that that's what I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. He said, well, I just can't, I just can't equate why, why this is a thing. And there was no winning with him. No winning. But his chest was poked out. And I just said, you've been saved how long? He said, six months. I said, boy, I'd like to talk to you in about six years. And I told him, I said, just a word of exhortation. I said, Praise God that addiction and, and, and drugs is not your problem anymore. Praise God for that. And I said, share your testimony. But be careful. Because a haughty spirit goeth before destruction and pride before a fall. And be compassionate to those whose testimony isn't the same as yours. And I believe that he needed that realization that, listen, it's not me that got me clean. It's not. And he said, I said, listen, you didn't get yourself clean. I know God did it. But listen, sometimes what we say out of our mouth on one side don't match what we say on the other side. Yes, God can do it. And I've seen God do it, by the way, from time to time. But in 27 years, it, it, the standard is it doesn't work like that. Usually there's a, there's five gallon buckets of tears that are cried during the process. Usually there's, they, the people are so broken that they'll, they'll even throw up over the, the, the their sin. And, and it's a process of trying their best to live a sanctified life. And I warned that fella. I said, fella, look, just be careful. 
The best thing that being in the presence of God does for a man or a woman of God is reminds us that we can't operate without God. You can ask April. I've preached sermons on a topic before. Studied it, prepared, prayed, preached it while I'm talking about burn the barn down, preaching, as my mom would say, you shucked the corn tonight. Only for later that week to fall into the same thing I was preaching about. It's in the presence of God that our frailty is acknowledged. There's a realization needed. But then there's refreshment needed. That, listen, it, this next thing I'm going to tell you, if I don't tell you anything else, this is what I want you to, to really, 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 really know. And it probably won't mean as much to you as it meant to me this morning, but it meant a lot to me this morning. David, of course, is, he says, Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, my soul thirsteth for thee. My, my flesh longeth for thee. And every time I've ever read this psalm, which has been hundreds, I always read it just how I just read it to you. The emphasis on my. The emphasis on I. Like, uh, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. But you know, this morning early, when I was in that hotel room, God showed me a whole different point of view. Just something, if y'all like word search and stuff like that, do this when you go home. Go and underline every time in this one chapter that it says, Thy or thee, or thou. Let me read it to you a little bit different. Let me just read down through some of these verses. So just listen. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek, here it is, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth, thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Thy power and Thy glory. So, have I, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary, because Thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Thee. Thus will I bless Thee. Are, are you catching my drift here? He was in a dry and thirsty land where no water was. Why didn't he say, uh, 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 my soul thirsteth for water. My flesh longeth for Gatorade. My soul longeth for a cheeseburger. His soul wanted God. His, even, this is a rare instance. Now think about this. His flesh wanted God. And that is significant. Because that's not even the picture we get of the flesh in the New Testament. 
And we know that our flesh is, is, is next to Satan. Our flesh is the greatest enemy we have in the Christian life. But even his flesh, in other words, his soul and his flesh, the entirety of his being was thirsty and hungry and tired and weary. But it wasn't a drink he wanted. It wasn't a meal he wanted. It wasn't a a, a shade tree he wanted. It was God that he wanted. He wanted to be in the presence of God. One one, uh, commentator said, He doth not say, my soul thirsteth for water, but my soul thirsteth for thee. He doth not say, my soul thirsteth uh, for, for the blood of my enemies, but my soul thirsteth for thee. He doth not say, my soul uh, thirsteth for deliverance out of this dry and thirsty land where no water is. Nor he doth, Nor doth he say, my soul thirsteth for a crown, a kingdom, but my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. You see, it's God we need. I guess the psalmist knew that if he had God, he had a drink. If he had God, he had food. If he had God, he had shelter. If he had God, he had protection. If he had God, he had all those things that someone that wasn't on the run would have. It's God we need. It's not necessarily that that new job. It's not necessarily that different car. Or, or, listen, listen to me somebody. It's not a different spouse that's needed. It's God. We need God to invade who we are. We need time in the presence of God. And we'll never see God for who He is if we don't spend time with Him. The the good friends I have, I know them well and they know me well. And there's one reason we spend time together. I was thinking about this. About what He wanted and what He needed. And my mind drifted over to Psalm 23. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. (laughs) You see, when the Lord is your shepherd, (laughs) you don't have to want this and want that and want the other and want this and be dissatisfied here and dissatisfied there because when God is your shepherd, He's looking out for all those needs. My goodness. Let me ask you this question. Do you realize that we as humans are frail and we need God more than anything? There's a second happening in the presence of God. Number one was our our frailty is acknowledged. Number two... Our faith is activated. Our faith is activated. This is verses 3 through 5. Never is our faith stronger than when we're in the presence of God. When we have spent consistent time with God. As a matter of fact, 
Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God... Did you hear that? He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. To get in God's presence is to diligently seek Him. To make time for Him. To block other things out. Let me say a word to our church here. Just a word. There's a reason that pastors can't take every phone call all the time. There's a reason that that pastors, good ones anyway, can't answer every text message right when it's sent or every Facebook message, or every social media thing they're tagged in. There's a reason for that. There's a reason that good pastors might have to have a calendar that they go by and set appointments. Well, I just don't think any pastor ought to have to, you ought to be able to wash right it. No, 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 no. Now check this out. In a church our size, if, if, if the door was open for everybody all the time, when, you, when, when would the pastor be in the presence of God? The thing is this. We all need our under-shepherd. Say amen right there. But the most important thing we need is we need our under-shepherd to have the time he needs in the presence of God. So that when we need him, he's who we need him to be. Just that's just something to chew on and think about. And we'll leave that right there. Amen. Listen, when we get in the presence of God, it's easier to believe God. I'll just tell you this. My most faithless times are when I hadn't read my Bible much that week. My most faithless times are when I've been busy, 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 worried about this, that, and the other, and I hadn't spent quality time with God. That's when the bill comes in and I'm like, oh dear Lord, let me look at the, let me. But buddy, When I'm spending time with the Lord, it's a different story. It's Faith is not hard when you spend a lot of time with the one you're believing in. Do you know that Abel, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, that Abel worshipped by faith. The Bible says that Enoch walked by faith, Noah witnessed by faith, Abraham wandered by faith. All of them had one thing in common. They all spent time in the presence of God. Psalm 62 and verse 5, just right next door, says, My soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation 
is from Him. And expectation is something, well, I think I wrote it down. Expectation, and this is deep theological truth right here. The state of expecting, either with hope or with fear. Here's what happens in my life. When I'm not spending much time with God, I'm expecting it not to work out. When I am spending uh, time with God, I don't see how it couldn't work out. We need a good old-fashioned dose of faith, amen? Well, that's not something you just muster up. That's a grace that comes from within our spiritual man that is developed as we spend time in God's presence. So if you're sitting here saying, oh, I, just can't, I just don't know how I can believe God. Well, won't you just go ahead and tell the whole truth? Well, I just refuse to spend any time with God. I mean, if you're going to fess up, fess all. Tell it all. Well, I don't just see, I just can't see how he can believe that that's, God's going to do that. Won't you say, ooh, it's obvious he's been spending a lot more time with God than I have. He must know something I don't. So... <laughs> Verse 5, right here in our text, Psalm 63, verse 5, says, My soul shall be satisfied with morrow. In fact, no, notice what he did. He didn't say my soul is satisfied. He said it shall be. In other words, it's not right now. <laughs> but, 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 I, but I believe it's going to get there. I believe it's going to happen. April was the first one to introduce this concept to me of thanking God for something before you received it. I thought she was gone Pentecostal on me or something. And I'm like, hold on, what are you talking about? She said, we just need to praise God for it now. I said, we don't have it now. She said, we ain't never going to have it if we don't thank and praise God for it now. I said, we can't. It ain't here. How am I supposed to thank God for something that ain't here yet? She said, by faith. I said, what? Hey, but that's also coming from the same woman that prayed for checks in the mail. Long, long time ago, we had a bill or something we needed to pay. I can't remember. And uh, there was two, three people at that time that, you know, sometimes they'd send us a check or something, a love offering. So April told me, she said, baby, I've been praying for checks in the mail. And she, she, I, remember, I remember this one time. She said, I've been praying for checks in the mail. I'm going to check the mailbox right now. By faith. She went out there and she opened the I'm watching her. She opened the mailbox and then she just, I don't know what she got. She's just shaking her head. She comes down the, down the driveway just laughing, half laughing, half crying, just like shaking her head. I'm like, what is it? The bank had sent us, sent us a whole box a whole new box of checks. <laughs> she, she ain't prayed for that since. Yeah. She said, God taught me that day, pray in specifics. Oh man, we only got 11 minutes. Uh, our faith is activated when we're in God's presence. Why? Because of praise. A, because of praise. 
The Scripture here says in verse 5, And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. You see, praise tends to refocus our heart and mind on God, on His being and His abilities. Our, ten, our tendency is to focus on, on, on our ability or the situation. But it's hard to say, God, I love you. I think you're the best. I think you're awesome. I praise your holy name. You've been so good to us. Look what you did back there, God. I, listen, there was a time we didn't have that, and then you did it. Lord, there ain't no way that won't happen again. You're just so good. Listen, when you're talking like that, it's hard to then say, Oh, well, God ain't done nothing for me. See what I mean? So our faith is activated uh, uh, in God's presence because of praise. And by the way, if you really get in God's presence before you leave, you're probably going to be praising Him. And then because of proximity. Because of proximity. We're never closer to God than when we're tarrying in His presence. Verses 6-7 through uh, uh, say, When I remember thee upon my bed, and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. In other words, when all is still, and I, and I take my rest, it's nobody but me and you, God. When I remember you, when I spend time with you, when I'm close to you, it's in the presence of God, in the presence of God, that we say, I can't, but God can. It's in the presence of God that we say, I don't know how He's going to do it, but I know He's going to. It's in the presence of God that we say, they sure are lost, but God sure is the Savior. It's in the presence of God that we say, that bill's pretty big. But God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And like that old preacher said, and the taters under the hills. It's in the presence of God that we say, God, Lord, me and you are the majority. Let me ask you this. Have you been spending time in God's presence? You remember Thomas? The one we called Doubting Thomas? After the ascension, Jesus uh, showed Himself uh, to the disciples, but, but Thomas was not present. He wasn't there. He was absent. Now check this out. He told them, when, when the disciples went and told them, told Thomas, Hey, He's risen! We, we've seen the Lord! The Bible says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord! But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know why he had a hard time believing? I don't think it was his personality. I think it was his absence. The others had been in the presence of the risen Lord. They were there. Thomas was nowhere to be found. 
You know why I think most of us have a hard time believing God for something? It's not because we're pessimistic uh, uh, by nature. I'm like that. It's not because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're just, we fail to be optimistic. It's because we've been absent. Think about that. If I'm absent from the presence of God and absent from God's Word, well, what else do I have to, 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 to count on? The looming recession? That's pretty depressing. We run unsheltered, a faith-based nonprofit. We depend on people's generosity. And, 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 and things don't look so hot right now in the economy. And, and so if that's, if that, if I'm in the presence of Fox News, hard to believe God's gonna pay the bills. But if I'm in the presence of King Jesus, it's just hard to see how God ain't gonna take care of it. Are you following me? Have you ever stopped long enough to think that your problem might be that you've been absent? From the presence of God? Our faith is activated. That's the, the, our, the first happening is our frailty is acknowledged in God's presence. Then our faith is activated in God's presence. And then number three, our future is attainable in God's presence. Well, I like this one. Our future is attainable. Why? Well, notice the passion that's produced. The passion that's produced. I like verse 8. Verse 8, he says, My soul followeth hard after thee. My soul followeth hard after thee. You know what happens when you spend... Mark, you know what happens when you, when you spend some time in God's presence one morning? You want to do it again the next morning. You know what happens when God feeds your soul in that quiet time? You want to sit down at the table again. When God shows you something special, God, He did it for me this morning. When God shows you something special that you never really saw before, and you're like, man, that's good. You don't want to sleep in tomorrow. You want to get up and wipe that sleep out of your eyes and brew you some coffee and, and open that Bible and say, Lord, I want, to, I want you to do it again. In other words... Nothing produces a passion for God like being in the presence of God. So if you're sitting here saying, I just don't, I don't, I just don't really want to do that. It's just probably because you hadn't. Give it a month. That's my challenge. Get up one hour earlier every day for a month. Take time to read God's Word anywhere. I don't care where, just read it. Read, read, listen, go to the maps in the back of your Bible. Read the maps. Just, I don't care, just spend time in the presence of God. Come back after 30 days and tell me that, that you don't have a different perspective. You want to, 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 to pursue God more. And, and that's what he meant in, in verse 8. My soul followeth hard after thee. Jesus spent time with the Father, didn't He? Many times He would step away from everybody else. Spend time with the Father. You ever thought about this? In Matthew 26, when Jesus took the disciples and He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, 
And he took Peter, James, and John. He went a little further. Then he went alone and he prayed. He did that three times. He prayed alone. What was he doing? He was spending time with God, the Father. I always thought it was cool. He knew they were fixing to come and arrest him. Right? He knew what was imminent. And what did he choose to do in those final moments? He he chose to get alone with God. Why? So that he could handle the arrest and the beating and the crucifixion. How could Jesus handle that? He was God. Yeah, I know. But he was, he was man also. How could he handle it? He spent time in the presence of God. And God's grace was sufficient for him. So passion uh, that's produced, but and then B, the last thing there to fill in. Notice the peace that is prevalent. The peace that is prevalent. In verse 8 he says, My soul uh, followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. One, one book said, uh, Thy right hand upholdeth me, that he fell not through the snares laid for him, and the stumbling blocks thrown his way, that he stood and bore up under all his afflictions, temptations, and difficulties, that he was enabled to follow hard after the Lord and cleave unto him This supported, supplied, and protected Him. Even the mighty power and grace of God, the right hand of God, upholdeth Him. And you know, we all need something to get us through this life. Let's spend time in the presence of God so the strong right hand of God will uphold us when we're thirsty and hungry and longing for God. 